You know, that last song, obviously the theme of it very much was that word presence, the very presence of God, the very presence of the Holy Spirit. And that is such a good setup for what our series this summer was all about, a summer of soul care. The whole heart behind the series was for all of us to go on a journey together in learning how to recognize the presence of God. You know, God's presence and God's Holy Spirit doesn't like come and go the way we experience it because we know we can always count on the fact of his ever-present presence, right? The problem often, right, is with, all, is with us. Are, are we aware of his presence? Are we choosing to, to connect with his presence that is within us and around us all the time? And so that's what the spiritual practices were all about, was teaching us, encouraging us, motivating us to just be more aware of his presence. So I hope and pray that, that even one of them I'm connected with you this summer. And if not, guess what? They're all recorded. So when you're really bored, you could listen to them all and try spiritual practices again. So give it a shot. Well, what we want to do today as we wrap up a summer of soul care is we're going to have a panel um, of those who taught different spiritual practices this summer. So why don't you guys make your way up here? Now, unfortunately, not all of our staff could be here this week, so some of our speakers aren't here today, so I'll give you a quick um, reminder of what they spoke on. So that, that will be up here. So Spencer, who's, I said, back on the camera there today, he spoke on praying scripture, and he started off, started off the series way, way back in July with that one. And, and basically, praying scripture is as simple as what you see there, like that we actually take the very words of scripture and let those words form our prayers. And it seems like a very simple practice, and it is, and yet it's a very, very profound and powerful practice to be praying back God's words to him. And so, um, yeah, that's what Spencer spoke on. And then Bruce did too. So way back, he did, earlier in summer, he spoke on Sabbath. And um, again, that was a while ago. I have to check my memory banks. But a big part of his teaching on Sabbath was that Sabbath is more about discovering those rhythms of rest in our life. It's not about a legalistic day thing that that's, it's so often dis misunderstood in the past. But as New Testament Christians, we live in the freedom of Christ. And is Sabbath and Sabbath rest still really, really important? Yes, it is. But there's a difference in how we approach it and how we find rhythms of rest that work in our lives and, and how God works in that way. So I wish he was here to answer questions on that one because that, that one was really awesome. But he also did journaling. If you were here last week, Bruce was up here with his stack of journals and um, taught us about journaling. And, and again, the biggest take back I took from journaling was how it helps us spiritually is that we're writing down our thoughts, our prayers, and even our wrestle with God. So it helps us in the moment, but it also helps when we can look back in our journals and be reminded of how God's been faithful. So he really encouraged us well with that one, and, and uh, it was an awesome one. And then Marianne, a number of weeks back, um, did Lectio Divina. And if you've never heard of that before, it, that's Latin, but it basically means sacred reading. And in a sense, it's a little bit like praying scripture, um, but it's a little bit more focused on, we, on hearing scripture being read and then focusing on key words that the Holy Spirit would prompt in our hearts and minds, and focusing and worshiping around those key words. And it's a very ancient but very beautiful practice to make Scripture come alive. And, you know, we have to remember, um, we, we, we can all read the Bible. We all have the printed Bible and the digital Bible available to us anytime we want. But for most of Christian history, 
the only time they could hear the Bible was when someone read it to them. And so they developed a lot of ancient practices to be better listeners when they were hearing the Word of God because it was just so valuable to them. And I think we've kind of lost some of that in our day of actually listening and hearing Scripture. It's beautiful. Anyway, so those were the three they did. So I probably took longer than I was supposed to. Where's my two minutes? So now each of the staff here that spoke this summer are going to introduce themselves and then um, give you a quick, a quick synopsis of what they taught. So Maureen begins. Good morning. My name is Maureen Brown, and I serve on staff here as the pastor of Family Ministries, so it's a privilege to welcome you here today. I have loved this series, The Summer of Soul Care, uh, for so many reasons, but um, the one that I was asked to teach, and it was back on July 12th, was the discipline of celebration. Now, if you know me, you know that I really do like a reason for a party, and I like a reason to celebrate, and I like a reason to have fun. But the discipline of celebration is much deeper than that. So if I was going to, to define it, it would be a way of engaging in actions that lead us to worship, praise, and thanksgiving. So it is being thankful, and it is focusing on gratitude, but it's even deeper than that. So it's the ability to celebrate God in a way that does not depend upon perfect circumstances or happy feelings. It's a way to celebrate him beyond that. So the central reason for celebration are these two things, that God is for us and not against us, and that he's with us and not absent. We're not alone. So a verse from Philippians verses in 4, verse 4 to 8 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, Rejoice. In the message, it says it this way, celebrate God all day, every day. So how can we do that even beyond our circumstances? It's just to get to those places that what Jesus does did for us, what God does for us. It's living from a mentality of abundance and not scarcity. It also has ancient roots. I mean, you will, you, as you read the scriptures, you'll see the Israelites were asked to celebrate and commemorate God's faithfulness through feasts and celebrations. So it has, it has those ancient roots. And John 15, 11 says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy, the joy that only he can give. And yes, your joy will overflow. So that's a little bit of a synopsis of the discipline of celebration. Good morning. My name is Jody Enns, and I serve on staff as the Children's Ministry Director and I had the privilege of speaking on the practice of simplicity. So the spiritual discipline of simplicity is essentially reducing in order to make room for what really matters. So this can take place with your schedule, so reducing the amount of commitments, obligations, expectations, activities that you have in order to give more margin in your life. It can also be practiced through your material possessions and through your finances. So reducing the amount of things that you have, but also investing in things for their usefulness and not for their status. Practicing simplicity also combats consumerism. And consumerism can have really detrimental impacts on our earth with the amount of waste that it produces, as well as it can be harmful to humans who are exploited through that industry. So Jesus models simplicity and encouraged his disciples to live simply, to travel with just what was on their back, and to, not rely, and to rely on the 
generosity of others. Jesus also says to invest in the kingdom of God and to be investing in what truly matters. And so that is the practice of simplicity. Um, I nicely done already, and you'll hear Ashley in just a moment. Um, I forgot a very important thing to tell you, though. Once we're done doing this little synopsis, um, you get to ask questions. So you can do that in two ways. We will have a roving mic in the balcony and also down here, where you can stand up. Yes, you do need to wear a mask to speak into the mic, but we and it's distanced. But you can ask a question to any one of our panel members about these disciplines, or if you would, um, if one of these spiritual practices has impacted you or caused growth in your life, and you just want to share some of that this morning, we'd love to hear that too. So you can share that way. Also, we're going to have um, Maureen's telephone number up there. So thank you, Maureen, her cell number. And you can text in a question. So anyone in the room and anyone watching online, please text Maureen with a question, and we'll do our best to, to have that question come. So I'm next in line. I taught on listening prayer. Now, listening prayer is so vast because it could include so many spiritual disciplines, actually. In fact, some of the ones that, that, that our other staff taught on could almost go under the category of listening prayer. The tension of, of prayer often is it, when we think of prayer in terms of us speaking to God, that's pretty easy to get. But when we think about prayer, about us hearing God speak back to us, well, that's where it gets, how do we do that? And, and there's no sort of easy, easy method. We don't hear the audible voice of God. We hear God speaking through his word. We hear God speaking through his spirit into our spirit. We hear God speaking through many, many unique ways, and it's wonderful and beautiful, but it's often something that we have to practice and work at to learn. And yet it's so beautiful when we discover two-way conversation with God, hearing God speak back to us. So again, there's so much I could have covered, um, I basically taught two ancient practices very simply. One is called centering prayer. And centering prayer is just simply the practice where you take an attribute of God or, or something that you're really passionate to pray about, and you basically center your quiet time on that particular idea. So, if, so let's say you pick the attribute of God is my shepherd, Jesus my shepherd. And the, and the practice of centering prayer is that you would just take whatever time it would be, 10 minutes or a half an hour or even an hour, and just center on that idea, repeating it back to God, sitting in silence and listening, and just centering on that one aspect. Or maybe sometimes it would be a burden, like you might have a real burden for a person, and you just center your prayer around praying for that person. So that's a little bit of what, what centering prayer was about. I also talked about breath prayer, and the ancient breath prayer was basically breathing in Jesus and then breathing out our prayer. So breathing in his presence, breathing out the desire or the prayer of our heart. So the ancient one was Jesus Christ, Son of God, and then have mercy on me, a sinner. But that, but that breathing prayer could be any prayer. It could be in the middle of your workday. This kind of prayer relates back to the scripture that talks about praying without ceasing. We all know that's impossible in our regular busy lives, but how we pray without ceasing is that Part of that is that breath prayers. Just through the day, we breathe in the presence of Jesus and say, help me through this meeting. Presence of Jesus, help me through this impossible task or the rest of my work day or my kids that are driving me nuts or whatever. We can pray those kinds of breath prayers and they're beautiful prayers to God. So that's a little bit on listening prayer. Your turn, Ashley. Okay. 
Um, good morning. My name is Ashley Power. Um, I'm a young adult here at Forest Grove, and this summer, Chandra and I spoke on the discipline of fasting. Um, fasting is defined as when we let go or give up an appetite, a comfort, or a convenience in order to create a sense of intimacy between ourselves and God and to seek God's will on certain matters. Um, fasting can look so many different ways. I think most often when we hear the term fasting, we automatically think of fasting from food, and that is a great thing that we can do. We can definitely fast from food. We can fast from meals, specific types of food. But when we look in the Bible, we can also see examples of people fasting from certain types of fabrics or clothing, people fasting from different practices, people fasting from certain luxuries that they have. And in our modern context, we can even fast from things like social media, different pieces of technology, or different information outlets. Um, when we fast, ultimately, we are creating space and time for Jesus to move, and we are creating space and time for us to wait on what he is trying to say to us and what he is doing in our lives, and we are creating a deep sense of intimacy between ourselves and Jesus. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kevin. I serve here as the Atridge site pastor. I had the privilege of speaking on silence and solitude. And we live in a very uh, frantic, uh, very loud society. We hear many little dings in our pockets, and we hear noises all around us competing for our attention constantly. Uh, silence and solitude fights that habit uh, that we have to be entertained, to hear noise and it allows for space for God to speak to us. Similar to uh, listening prayer, like Don was saying, uh, it, it allows us to put us in, a, it puts us in a place where we can hear God, where the messages and the pressures of the world aren't our focus. The focus becomes simply God. Uh, this practice was uh, embraced by Jesus, uh, a person who started his ministry in the desert uh, and uh, was alone uh, for 40 days. Uh, he ended up uh, pulling away during his ministry time from all the busy pressures and hectic expectations of this great rabbi to heal and to teach and to do all of these things, and he pulled away and spent time with his father. I told a little bit about my story uh, and uh, how, for me, it was training my ear to listen to the quietest thing in the room and constantly listening for something quieter, listening for something quieter and believing that the still small voice of God speaks to us in quietness. And uh, although I didn't really necessarily hear anything during that time, it prepared me for a really strong, loud call from God later, a few months, when I was totally attentive and ready to hear from, from God as to what he was asking for me. And uh, so for me, silence and solitude became a, a great habit of, that I still practice to this day. Obviously, I can't practice it as much as I used to because of family and kids and all the busyness of, of things. And yet, I take walks, 15 minutes home, 15 minutes here, where I just spend time with God. Uh, there's many different ways that each of you, you know, driving might be a, a place of quiet instead of listening to the radio. That we can practice short-term uh, getting into the rhythms of just being quiet, not having the media, the radio, the, the podcasts uh, telling us what to think or telling us 
who we are, but just listening to the voice of God in silence. Thanks, everyone. So now you've all got it, right? Simple. You know them all. We can just say, go and, go and practice spiritual practices. Well, we'd love to have some of your questions. So if the, the phone number will be up there, so you can text away to Maureen. Um, or there's a mic in the, in the, thank you, mic in the balcony. So if you stand up, introduce yourself and ask your question. Or again, share um, how a spiritual practice has impacted you or challenged you. That would be awesome to hear. Now, while you're thinking, and while those texts are pouring in, Maureen, I'm going to start with you because you're going to be so busy with texts. So, Maureen, my question for you is, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There was a, sur there was a sur Canadian survey done a couple weeks ago where over half of Canadians said this was the worst year of their life. So, the reality is there's a lot of people who are really, really cynical about uh, the spiritual practice of, of celebration. So, tell us. In these days, in these times, how can we practice this practice? Mm. So they're all yours. <laughs> that, that is such a fair question and such a good question. Um, and I guess it, it perhaps goes back to a little bit of the introduction when I said the discipline of celebration is not just the um, ability to celebrate good circumstances or happy feelings. So when I think of a pandemic, I think of... Uh, one of the things the discipline of celebration is, is it's not a denial of tough things. It's not denying that, that tough things happen and, and bad things happen. It's, it's just ex realizing that Jesus is with me and would help me. One of my, um, we all maybe study people that we admire how they lived out their life for God. So one of the people that I have studied a lot is Corrie ten Boom. And Corrie ten Boom was uh, a Dutch woman that uh, during the time of Hitler's Germany, she held out, she hid Jews in her home and she got caught for that, so she got put in a concentration camp herself, she and her sister. And one quote that she said during the horrific things that she went through in the concentration camp as she was talking to other people about the goodness of God, she said this, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. So even in the midst of this pandemic, the reality and truth that God's love is deeper still um, is, is real, and that can be celebrated. Yeah. All right, someone ready with a question? In the balcony, I'm just going to go grab my mic now. I've only got a few questions written down, so I'm counting on all of you. Okay, a little bit more time to think. I'll, I'll, I'll pick on Kevin next. So Kevin, when, you first, when, when I talked to you about this, I, I thought you were kidding at first, but then I thought about it more, and it's probably a good question. But here's the question. Um, will there be silence and solitude in heaven? Or are those days over? Uh, well, we have one reference scripturally of there being silence in heaven. So will there be silence in heaven? According to Revelation 6, verse 1, there was half an hour of silence in heaven. I, I kind of picture heaven as being this, like, celebration, you know, like, woo, you know, thing. And uh, when the scroll was opened, I, I, the way I understand it, there, this awe, this reverence, 
for God, for, for the lamb. And just, it just fell silent in awe. And I do think that is part of silence. I do think we've lost that in our society of an awe, just a, a wow. When O.G. Ananobili hit the, hit the shot with the Raptors the other day, I was just like, there was no silence at all. It was just celebration. And yet there has to be some like, wow. You know, like that, that pause and just go, oh my. And I think it'll be that way in heaven as well when we, uh, when we see Jesus and we go, we're just in awe, and I do believe there will be silence in heaven. So we've been told. Yes, that picture of Revelation is very powerful. Thank you. All, All right. right. I would love to share my mic with someone. John, I have a question. Oh, we have a, go ahead. Yeah, I do have a question. It's for Jody. And actually, there were two people that have this question. And so the question is, how do we simplify our lives in a world that tells us we always need more things? or we actually need more things to even accomplish some of the things we're supposed to do. So how do we simplify our lives in a world that tells us we always need more things to get by? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that's, that is a very present reality for all of us in this time, for, for all of us in this culture. We are inundated with things. We receive so many different advertisements or encouragements of products we might need or materialism that will make our lives happier. And so I think that just shows the need for simplicity. I don't know how to answer that other than it just shows the, the need for simplicity and the ways that we need to take control of the, the things that we're viewing and the sources that we're taking in in order to give space for Jesus. And so Part, a practical one could be, like Ashley mentioned, reducing the amount of social media, or the amount of apps that you're going on, because that can just be really mindless scrolling and taking in information that's not intentional, or creating space for silence and solitude. So practicing some of these other disciplines can create some of that margin and reduce the amount of things that are coming in unintentionally or that subconsciously we're being, yeah, that we're viewing. Hmm. All right, thank you. Any more on the text line? I, I do have uh, several more. I don't know if you wanted to go okay. from the... You better get ready on the floor because the texters are taking yeah. over. Okay, go ahead. They're, they're, they're coming in and people are joining us online. So this is awesome. This is for Pastor Kevin. Um, a couple of... Uh, I'll frame it. came from a couple of sources. But how do you silence or calm your mind from daily worries and struggles? Things that are seeming to consume you. How do you silence and calm your mind from that? Yeah, thanks for the question. Uh, I don't know for you. Uh, for some people, that is extremely challenging. There can be mental health challenges. There can be all sorts of, of things that... Uh, I, I actually tell people, when, when, like, go talk to your family doctor. Because if, if you're actually dealing with anxiety, I've dealt with anxiety myself, and, and it's not easy. Like, it's not just this simple, like, oh, I'll just turn off my mind. Um, there are times where, where you talk to your medical doctor about those kinds of things. I believe that silence in our, in our mind is something that we do end up needing to practice and discipline ourselves. I suggest starting a very, very short time. And I don't know what that would be for you. For some people in the midst of the, the anxiety that we end up uh, feeling and our, our wheels are just turning, maybe that's just like five seconds. Just try to focus on like the quietest thing in the room that you can hear for five seconds. Listen to your 
the furnace fan. Listen to a drip of water. And then just lengthen that. It, it becomes a discipline. It becomes a practice of how, how can I lengthen this? Um, it's not something that uh, you just sit down and, and practice for hours and it's this wonderful thing. No, it, it takes discipline and time to do it. Did I answer the question? I think you answered your question. Thanks, Kevin. Anyone from the floor? You got another one on deck? I do have one more, and then we could go because it's for Ashley. Okay, so I was, was going to interject there too, but if it's okay, for Ashley. I'll, I'll, I'll give Maureen, sorry, if you don't mind, just come to the middle. Sure. The reason we keep coming to the middle is we, just so that our camera can yeah. see us and hear us. Go ahead. Thanks. So this question is for Ashley, and it is, um, what, what has been one of the most effective things or practice that you have fasted from, and how did God meet you there? So it's kind of more of a personal one, but how you've experienced fasting. That's a really good question. Um, for myself, I mentioned this in the video sermon, but oftentimes I will do different forms of a social media fast or fasting from my phone because I'm 19 years old and I get really consumed in Instagram and texting my friends and all of that stuff. And so sometimes what I will do is if I notice that it's been days or weeks since I really had like intimate time with Jesus, I will do one of a couple things. I will maybe delete certain apps from my phone for a certain amount of time so that they're not even there to like tempt me to go on. Sometimes I will like put timers on so that I um, like don't go on Instagram or text people or whatever it is. And I think that when I do this, it really does create that sense of intimacy between me and Jesus and the fact that um, I'm not getting distracted by all of these other things going on, but I'm fasting from social media or from different things on my cell phone so that I really can actually focus my time and that that distraction isn't even there. And to be honest, like sometimes I, sometimes I might feel disappointed if I don't feel like I heard this really crazy, clear thing from Jesus, and I think that's okay, and sometimes we don't hear really clear things, and just creating that space for God to move is already such a great thing, and we already can learn so much from him from that. Nice. All right. Floor? Do you have another one already, Maureen? I've got others, but if okay, you Okay, what is this saying about our culture these days? The texts are flying in, and all of you are going, good, let the texts fly in. All right, go ahead. Um... I've got several questions here, but Don, I've got one for you. That, so this question, it's, it's, um, says, um, I believe God speaks through creation to us while practicing listening prayer. But for some believers, this seems like animism, which means the belief that natural objects and natural phenomena and the universe itself possesses souls. So that, so how do we, how can we discern the voice of God speaking to us through creation knowing that it is the Holy Spirit of our holy God and not other spirits. Wow. I want to find the person who sent that text. <laughs> no, that is a great question. And, you know, you know, I think because of some of the realities of our culture and just a lot of the fears that are out there, I think sometimes as followers of Jesus, we feel like somehow we need to be afraid of like the ancient practices that come from creation and that come from the very nature of the faith that we follow in Jesus Christ. 
and that um, we don't have to let culture determine the definition of a lot of those things, but we can determine them through what God has revealed through his word. So I think that when, do, do we need to be careful of crossing the line from, you know, worshiping creation versus worshiping the creator? Yes, I believe we need to be careful in that. But because our creator is so powerful and amazing and has created so much beauty, for us to be able to just enjoy the beauty of creation and realize that God speaks through it in so many ways. Um, I, like, again, I don't think there's danger in that. For, um, there's so much beauty and so much potential in that to hear God. So, again, I would just encourage you to, to keep on with that. And, you know, I believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't play games with us. If, if we start to cross the line, I think the Holy Spirit can nudge us and go, we've crossed the line. But I think for the most part, enjoying the beauty of creation and learning to hear God speaking through creation is a beautiful thing. So, you have another one? Um, I, I'm, I have several, but maybe you want to okay. take some from I'm, the floor. I've got to. I'm ready to run anytime. I'd love to take a question from the floor. We do have one. Yeah, you have to put the mask on, Walter. Sorry. Can you put the mask on? Yeah, sorry. You have to put the mask on, and then I'll let you speak into the mic. There's very clear policies about sharing mics, so uh, we do have to be careful. Thank you. Now, go ahead. On your answer, okay. I think that God speaks through nature very definitely. Mm. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies display his marvelous craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word, and yet their voice, their message has gone out to all the world. Now that's about as clear as it can be. Amen. And uh, when, when you, all else fails, those words speak loudly about God's, how God speaks to us in nature. Amen. I should not have answered the question. That was way better than my answer. Thank you. So good. All right. Balcony, anyone? Oh, thank you. Um, I've really appreciated this series and have gotten something out of each one and kind of just gotten deeper into a lot of the spiritual practices. So thank you, everybody, for sharing very, very much. Um, I think the most significant one for me was the simplicity. Um, I had a bunch of boxes in my basement that uh, were just from my past that you kind of motivated me to, to take a look at and to go through and just to be like, why am I hanging on to these things? And it was quite an experience to kind of go through and to almost celebrate some of the things that had happened and just have this opportunity to let things go. and to just empty my home from things that I didn't really need and maybe pass them on to somebody who did. And so it's really been quite an enriching experience. And I don't think I really realized how much of a burden it had been on me to have it in my home. So yeah, it was just quite, a, quite an opportunity. So thank you. Mm, thank you, that's awesome. Don, I have um, 
okay, a go couple, ahead. I, I just want to say that there's some really beautiful testimonies that have come in that uh, I would love it if, if, I'm not sure if they're online joining us or here. It'd be awesome if you shared them, um, but we will keep track of these beautiful testimonies. But two questions have come in for me about how do you um, practice the discipline of celebration with younger children? With, with kids, and so we've got children here, and that's come in several times. And you know, the, the thing that is the beautiful about children is the majority of the time we learn from them how to celebrate, right? So we might see something, and actually our children teach us. And so that's why so often in the Bible, use Jesus used a little child and have faith like a little child. But one of the ways to practice that is, is, is actually to watch ourselves as the leaders in the home, the parents in the home, what our attitude is, because it's contagious, right? It's contagious. So especially during a pandemic, if we're trying to see God in it or the other, it can, it can set the temperature for our home. So one of the things that I did or that I would encourage young families to do is wherever you are, where can you acknowledge God's presence and celebrate him in that? So it might be in a park. Look at these beautiful trees. Who caused this tree to grow? And then their answer will be, God did. And then what other things can we see here that we can celebrate God in this? And trying to see those things, the little things, because what I find when I'm with children, and I'm sure Jody would say the same working with children, is every time I have those relationships or experiences with them, I'm the one that comes away encouraged and believes. So we, and, and believing more because of the faith of a child. So just giving the time and space to recognize. We used to do one thing at our dinner table at night, and it didn't each evening and it was like where what what was good in your day about God what can we celebrate today sometimes you had to pull pretty deep for some if they had a tough day but just giving the space and time to talk about the great things about what God has done and what he's doing awesome thanks Maureen well thank you everyone I want to I want to keep going for another hour but um We've got enough questions for another hour well I know do we really <laughs> yeah we've got okay. lots of questions I know I just I just know with everything else, with our, our new technology and everything, we, we do have to stay within time frames of some. But I just thank you so much for participating. And if you know what, we'll, we'll pass on those questions that, that have come in. Keep texting them in. And um, yeah, we'd love to text you back or email you or yeah, maybe even meet up and talk about those questions. Wouldn't that be a great thing to do? So thank you, panel, and thank you, everyone, for participating. So before we close, we will respond um, in worship. So uh, Janine, why don't you come back? And uh, yeah, let's worship with one more song together, and then Kevin will come and, and close the service. <laughs>